Welcome to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, where we amplify the voices of the inspiring business leaders surrounding the B Corp and social impact movements across the Southeast to help you learn how to build your legacy at the intersection of people, planet, purpose, and profit. Today, Nathan had the pleasure of sitting down with Ian Bentley, the founder and CEO of Parker Clay, a company that sells handcrafted goods in Ethiopia using premium material and promotes giving back to the community through sustainable development programs. In this episode, Nathan and Ian discuss the failings of the fashion industry, how the emergence of the conscious consumer has impacted business startups and ownership, and the unconventional fundraising initiative spearheaded by Ian and his business. Okay, let's jump right into this episode with Ian. Over to you, Nathan. Hey, Ian, welcome to the show. How are you? Nathan, I'm doing great. Excited to be on here with you. Yeah, no, excited to have you on. Our first uh, our first out-of-Georgia guest. So, <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, hey, we love Georgia, and uh, it's uh, it's good to be on. We're really excited. And didn't you say you had there was a connection to Georgia, too, wasn't there? Well, there is. Yeah. I mean, we started the business, uh, it really is an e-commerce business and Georgia is consistently over the last few years, been in the top five uh, states in terms of where our customers are, our community is. So Georgia is absolutely a place that Parker Clay is already well represented. And, and that tells me there's a lot of people who care about the story behind what we do. So we're excited. That's awesome. So Georgia's on your mind. All right. Done with the dad jokes. I promise. um well let's get into um you know to people unfamiliar with the whole story can you tell our listeners about kind of the founder's story behind parker clay and the the inspiration that fueled you and your wife and the family's mission absolutely yeah so my wife and i we grew up in southern california and we actually met in high school Uh, i like to tell everybody that she was a senior and i was a sophomore in high school because when you're in high school that's a big deal and we we dated through high school, went to college together, um, and got married pretty young, and had our first two sons. So first came Parker, and then came Clay. Hence the hence the names. So our two boys, and we both started our careers. Brittany worked in design, graphic design primarily, and I was in a number of different business, marketing, sales roles, and we bought our first house. I mean, all these things, right? kind of the iconic American dream. And my wife and I started talking about adoption, which we had talked about early, I think in the dating years, but you know, as life went on. And then we started talking about having our third and Brittany had brought up adoption. And that wasn't something that I was, I think I was totally prepared for. I was, but I remembered us discussing. And long story short, we started looking at different places to adopt from and and what the options were. But it was staggering to me that there was these statistics thrown out, statistics like 160 million orphans around the world. And I couldn't even like grasp that statistic. It just felt heavy. But what I could grasp is these two little boys running around in my yard. And that question of what if that was Parker? What if that was Clay? Just It just hit me one day. And it changed my perspective to go, well, of course, if it was Parker Clay, I would do whatever it took. And so it became very personal to me. And that really started our journey to adoption. And so that's how we ended up in Ethiopia. We went there to adopt our daughter and had just a really 
really unique experience. Um, I think that history has kind of shown us Ethiopia as a picture of uh, a starving, you know, woman and child, famine, the poverty, the issues, and we expected to see challenges, but what we saw was this just beautiful culture, beautiful people when we were there adopting our daughter. And that really led us to kind of go, how can we get more involved? Like, what does this look like? And what's really needed here in the community? Um, and that's what really led us to making this kind of crazy decision of, hey, let's sell everything we have and buy one-way tickets and move to Ethiopia. So we you know, moved our family to Ethiopia in 2011 after less than a year after adopting our daughter and it was really because of the conversations that we had been having with communities there women that we had been talking about who said hey honestly we we don't want you to be a burden we don't want you to come and kind of be a burden we want you to come and create opportunities like we are looking for jobs we want opportunities um we're ready to go to work and so we wanted to go and and help to create those opportunities um, and we had partnered with a, a nonprofit essentially there that was helping women out of trafficking, doing rehabilitation, counseling work. And then the, the, the next step was skills training and job placement. And so we had worked in a few different industries and then ultimately discovered the leather industry, um, which, is, which is where we get into starting a business uh, that we call Parker Clay. That's crazy. What a, what a just... I don't know. It's one of those, you're always where you're supposed to be. Um, and, and y'all were wherever you were supposed to be. And just, I mean, I hear a lot of founder stories, but that might be the most, the most interesting and the most um, moving, the most, you know, just kind of for personal reasons that this was just kind of higher calling speaking to you. Um, so you get Parker Clay started and, and we, we also talked a little bit about the fashion industry being broken so what do you wish um, people understood about how you discovered the problem and the opportunity for a more sustainable solution, which is really, how did you discover the market while you were there? Yeah, and I think it's like, it's layered, right? So we moved to Ethiopia, not to start Parker Clay. Parker Clay came into existence because we were, like you said, we were, we were there at really the right opportunity at the right time and the opportunity arose. What else, what, what was happening at the time this was back in 2013, is on the other side of the world in Bangladesh, there was a factory called Rana Plaza, and it killed over 1,100 people when it collapsed. And there, basically, this became front page news because there was images of people with well-known international brands, either covering their face with cloth or even a rope that rappelled down a window to try to get out of this factory. And all of a sudden, all these brands went, oh, no, this isn't good, because they knew. But the consumer didn't really know. The consumer kind of had a veil you know, in front of them for a long time to go, what's happening behind the scenes? Where are these things made? Uh, and that was really pushing this whole fast fashion movement. So in 2013, we're in Ethiopia. We hear about that. We're working with these women who are we're trying to create jobs for. And it happened to be Brittany's birthday that we were right around the same time we were looking for gifts. I was looking for a gift for her and I found this leather bag and I didn't know it was made in Ethiopia, but I discovered it had a tag inside that said made in Ethiopia. And that really got us interested because we liked, it was a unique style, but we didn't know, 
you know, where's it sourced? How's it made? What's going on behind the scenes? And it happened to have literally the guy's phone number on the backside of this tag. <laughs> and so I called and just started to ask him questions. He took me to a, a tannery where that particular day they were loading a shipping container with roll, just rolls of finished leather. And I asked the owner of the tannery where he was shipping it to. And he's like, he looked at me kind of puzzled, but he's like, that's going to Italy. I was like, right, how often are you shipping to Italy? You know, all the time. We ship to Europe, you ship to Italy. And instantly in my mind, all these things converge, right? I'm, I'm hearing news about Rana Plaza. We're working with these women trying to create sustainable, you know, really dignified jobs. And here there's this raw material that I hear is made in Italy. And I think of the end product that I know could be made in Italy, but where is the material coming from? Well, I, I just found it. And that was this, this moment of if we can create a product that isn't just a, you know, more of a like philanthropic purchase or charity purchase that you're buying because I want to help someone. When this huge fashion industry is it's one of the biggest industries in the world is selling these products because they're fashion oriented and they look good or high quality. What if we could do that here at the source where they're from? And that was really the moment where Brittany and I put our heads together and said, hey, let's let's create some bags and let's see if we can do this. So that was about 2014 is when we officially started Parker Clay. That's still, still nuts. Again, the story gets crazier um, of just, of, of again, being in the, the right place or the place you were supposed to be at um, for that to happen and that light bulb to turn on. What... What is, is like, how is the rise of the conscious consumer? Um, you know, I mean, I guess, and, and how has that impacted your decisions as a business owner, but then also you're certified as a B Corp. So kind of the, where those two come together, how, how has it impacted the business and kind of the strategy and just what you're building at Parker Clay? Yeah. And, and it's great that today where we're at today, it's, it's a much more common conversation, right? Looking at impact-oriented models and sustainability and ethical production, these are becoming more frequent in conversations. And so that's that's exciting. Rewind the tape right back to that 2020, 2012, 2013 timeframe. And it was more unique. There was a few models like, you know, I credit Tom Shoes as being a pioneer to the space a little bit with this buy one, give one. We now know that that wasn't the best model, but they did start something that was different than what we had normally seen. But that was really all that was available at the time. And the, 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 what I just mentioned about Rana Plaza and this whole movement around fast fashion and, and the stories that are behind it. When Brittany and I moved to Ethiopia, we moved there because we, we cared deeply about the community. We cared deeply about the people who were behind it. And our belief was always, can we create a product that can celebrate the customer as much as the product, right? The, the, the producer, as much as the product, the, the manufacturing behind it, as much as the consumer, right? Like how can you kind of weave all these things together um, and care about them, them both. And that really wasn't being done as much as still, right? Not being done as much today. But that was something that was like foundational, right? So we didn't start this manufacturing company that was just only caring about the product. It was deeply embedded into the foundation 
that we were going to make sure we take care of people. And what we saw develop over the years is a number of different certifications and accreditations and things that were coming, but it felt a bit more, I mean, if I'm honest, it felt a bit more like marketing where it was companies who perhaps didn't have as much impact behind what they did, but they could pay for a little bit of that extra marketing to give them some additional accreditation. When B Corp came along, we really looked at that closely and said, hey, th this is actually a pretty intense and deep accreditation that you have to go through and process. And that's why we, we ultimately became a B Corp and did that first step. And then just this last year, we got reaccredited or requalified through that and are now one of the highest ranking B Corps in the world around leather manufacturing and leather products. And I think a lot of it has to do because we, we own our own manufacturing, which is really unique, right? A lot of brands work with a third party in another part of the world, but it's our factory. It's our people. It's our team. And we just choose to not compromise on that. Like our people care. We care about them deeply and want to see them thrive. And I love it too, because we have things like we had part of our team in Ethiopia. We had uh, some of our leadership team. They bought houses this year. They got married. They had kids. Um, same on the U.S. side, right? We had some of our team buy houses, have kids. Like it, we're seeing kind of this equal, equality here too, where it's not just this manufacturing, you know, arm that we don't care about or it's not talked about. It's very much part of this holistic team approach. And so that's, you know, those are all the pieces that get wrapped up in, in why we're a B Corp, why we do these things. And at the end of it, it's just, it, it's because we care about people. Well, that's awesome. Um, I'm curious to ask a quick follow-up question too, as you mentioned this, this movement of, of people becoming more aware, I guess, what advice do you have for people when they are shopping, you know, to the average consumer who cares, but maybe, you know, reading an annual impact report, looking through the sustainability page, like what tips would you have for the conscious consumer that wants to make sure they're not getting, I don't know, duped? Yeah, good question. Because there is a lot of greenwashing and we're even seeing in today's uh you know, market where uh, even recently H&M got called out pretty heavily and it's called green hushing, which I think is a very fascinating new term. And, you know, there is more visibility, there's more accountability. And I think that one of the things that I appreciate from the younger generations that are coming into that now buying power and being a bigger part of the economy is these, this authenticity piece and that people want to see more authenticity from brands. And I think that's seen, right? I think that you can't, you can't hide behind certain things as perhaps you once could. And, you know, definitely annual reports are helpful and putting out content, whether it's on social media or emails and how you're fusing that in. I think one of the things that for us, we really focus on is, is showing behind the scenes and showing our manufacturing, showing the people behind it, telling stories. We just worked with a huge uh, multinational company for the holiday season to do gifting of their employees. And it was really fun to send thousands of people that got these products a video from our team in Ethiopia who literally just held up their iPhone, you know, our team in Ethiopia and said, hey, 
you know, to the company, thank you so much for placing this order and for helping us to create the impact we're having right here. Like it, there's no buffer between seeing that. And I think that's something that, you know, when you hear firsthand from the people behind the scenes, that, that to me shows a great degree of accountability. So in a way, it's easier to put together an annual report because frankly, those are marketing teams, right? That are doing that, that are, that can use beautiful images and craft and create with graphic designers exactly what you want. But I, I think that authenticity piece of just getting some more raw behind the scenes, here I am at our factory, here I am, you know, meeting with the people who are making your bags. Um, we've told stories of some of our manufacturers. We had a woman who we literally got glasses for because we discovered she was effectively blind, but she couldn't see. And we got to tell the story of Marta, who is thanking you know us for helping her to see for perhaps the first time in her life. But you know, so beautifully, she said, "I feel seen, and I didn't feel seen before." And there's just stuff like that that you know it's hard to get that granular as a company because as you're growing, there's so many pushes and pulls. But to us, that's a really important part of it. And I think we want to challenge the economy. We want to challenge the fashion industry to do more of that. Um, you know, and I, I'll add this. As a consumer, right, we're often think so much is put in front of us. It's hard to find the time to, to go to that length. We, we buy often because something looks good, right? We'd go in a shop, oh, that looks good. Or I need something more practical. And I, I think as we're more connected to social media and things like that, it's easier. And just take a few extra steps and look further into the company. And I think you'll find, you know, is there that authenticity behind it? Yeah, I love that. And, I'm, you know, I preach it all the time. And you talked about it, you know, all the different, you know, I hate to call them pay to play certifications, but a lot of them are. Um, but at the end of the day, that B Corp logo, it's like, even if you don't fully understand what it means, like it, when you see that there is a level of trust that comes with it a, and a growing level of trust, I think with conscious consumers, or they're starting to understand what it means and what it stands for. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough, uh, one to, to, to get qualified for. And, and for, I mean, now that we've done it twice, the second certification, I mean, it's they, the questions that are asked are, are the right ones that really get into it. You can't, you, you can't necessarily pay to play, right? You've got to show proof. I could tell you all day long, this is what I do. And I think B Corp kind of goes, that's, that's cute. Show me, right? Show me, don't tell me. No, that's, I mean, that's the best part. And then, you know, one of the, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was as, as a B Corp, you know, I hear this all the time. I've done, you know, accelerator, you know, advising and you get these, startups you get these companies and well i can never be a b corp because i want to do a fundraising round and you know my other advisor told me that you know I, the, the, like they basically no understanding of what b corp really is but immediately that will kill any ability to fundraise and you're in the middle of a fundraising round so i want to talk about that and the unique approach you're taking um to both fundraising and using that fundraising to scale. So let's talk about that a little. And, and have there been any challenges being a B Corp and, and doing, I think it's a Reg A plus right now? That's right. Yeah, we're doing a Reg A plus. Really excited about, we just launched it. And, you know, we've we've done a few earlier rounds. We've got, we've done some rounds through friends, family, angel rounds. 
And I would say that the majority of our investors are impact oriented, that they, uh, they care about the impact. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, there's also the fiduciary responsibility and it's an investment, right? So we, are, we were intentional to become a for-profit and we wanted to be about growing a business and creating more economic impact. And we believe that the for-profit model is one that pushes you to do that. Is it hard? Yeah. I mean, we've, we feel like we've kind of pioneered a little bit of this early space. We've now been doing it for a number of years. And this, like I said, the, the growth of that conscious consumer, um, it, there is now data to support that, that that person is is willing to invest and put more money into things. They'll They'll pay more for things when they know that there is the right impact behind it. And that's been proven now over and over. So it, it is, it's, it's the right thing to always do the right thing. And I think that, you know, for, from an investment standpoint, that has been the challenge in it, right? Because you've had the, the VC markets, which are, are, you know, purely about often the growth and it's a 10 X and it's, you know, huge growth, fast growth, getting to that point. That is unique, right? There are unique companies that, that that can succeed. It's got this the savviness of it, the smarts, the little bit of luck, right? right? It's got all those ingredients that kind of meld together that sometimes allow that. But when they fail, what you see is thousands, if not millions of people that are impacted by that and sometimes really negatively impacted by that. And so I think we we owe it to humanity, to our our world to ensure that we do this the right way. And for us, we are a hundred percent confident that we will be successful. And we already are in that fact that we are empowering and impacting people's lives. And that is gotta be the primary importance. We happen to be able to grow a company and do we believe we can be successful financially? Absolutely. Right. Because there are other players in this space that are, I mean, frankly, the wealthiest person on this planet runs one of the biggest fashion companies in the world. And the the idea that we can't do it, it impact people's lives and do it in a healthy way and be profitable, I think is a limiting belief that we have to push and we have to challenge. We can we can achieve both. Um but yeah, there are there are some people, and I think that any entrepreneur who's going down the road of raising capital, right? The the more experienced ones you speak with will tell you, right? You might need a hundred no's before you get to one yes or a few yeses, right? It is a it's a hard road because it's not for everybody, and and whether you are a company that's trying to do something good for the world for people or not, you still might find investors who just don't believe in your idea or whatever it is, right? But you're looking for those few people that do. And I would say that there are people 100% out there. We decided to open this up to the community, right? Because here we have all these consumers, we have a community we've already built with tens of thousands, 100,000 people plus strong, who are buying our products, who love our products, and also want to do good but might not be able to write a check to the level that a angel investor or institutional investor would be able to. 
And I love that there is now this new route to take around crowdfunding in the investment space. And that's what a regulation A plus is for us, is us to be able to say to our community, we want to invite you to the table. We want you to be part of this with us. You already have been as a customer, but now you are able to invest with us and be part of that growth. And that's super exciting. I mean, one crazy example is if you think about Amazon, and we're definitely not Amazon, don't want to be Amazon. We're not even on Amazon. But if you were in the garage with Jeff Bezos and you put 500 bucks in, today that's probably in the realm of $17 million, right? Like this huge growth. But there wasn't an opportunity to, to put 500 bucks in like that, right? It was a bigger check as an accredited investor. And this Regulation A Plus is to say, community, build this with us, be part of this with us, because we together can be a force for good. And that's really, I mean, at the core of Parker Clay, that's, we often share this African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And it's a, it's a beautiful idea of saying we go together, right? That's where the strength, that's where we go far. And so that's what we want to do. We want Parker Clay to be a company that goes far, that builds something that's lasting. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do it together. That's beautiful. And it's funny. My last question for you is what do you want listeners to take away from this, from this podcast? And I'm like, Ooh, I should have asked that before you just said that that was a mic dropper, but I'll still ask the question in case you can top it. What do you want listeners to take away from this episode? I can top it. I mean, it, <laughs> <laughs> go go for it. Um, I'm going to say, Georgia, I love you. You're a great state. <laughs> I love these listeners. Now, look, I mean, whether it's in our neighborhoods, our state, our country, or the world, right? There is some great people that are in it. And, and to build off of that we go together idea, you know, we're going to build it an incredible product at Parker Clay that we hope people get behind. But the bigger picture behind it is that we are seeing people thrive. And, you know, I think that whatever we do, just if we can take another second or two to, to dig a little deeper into the products we're consuming, the products we're buying, the fashion that we're putting on our bodies. And if we can do good, look good, it's going to make a lot of good happen in the world. And so I think that would be my, my hope and my challenge to this community. And, um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's intentionality behind actions. That's what we all need to do more of. Um, but I don't want to spoil my TEDx. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Ian, last, last thing real quick, uh, where can people find you, um, I don't know, follow you, follow Brittany, follow Parker Clay. What I'm sure you're on all the socials, but if you want to share them and then we can throw them all in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. We're at parkerclay.com. Handle is at Parker Clay across most of the platforms. Uh, you can also check out our investment campaign at invest.parkerclay.com. You can learn more about all the details of where we're at, what we've done, our plans moving forward. We'd love to invite the listeners to join us in this movement. And feel free to reach out. Reach out to us directly or reach out to me. Send me an email, ian at parkerclay.com. And uh, we'd love to, to talk. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. Um, excited. I mean, that just 
I don't know, hearing your story is inspiring. So um, thanks for all you're doing and keep up the good work. Well, that wraps up another edition of Be The Change Georgia. We're grateful as always for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven B Corp leaders. If you haven't already, we would be grateful for you to rate the show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening, and now go be a leader worth following. Music.